Hey Radio Nonsense listeners, if your grotty bleaters, sorry, grown-ups, want to help support this podcast, then they can sign you up to the Linda Edition via Apple Podcasts or Acast Plus. The Linda Edition is a version of this very show where adverts appear as often as Linda does, which is never. Yes, including this annoying advert at the beginning. You'll also get the podcast a whole day earlier than everyone else, and you never know, if enough people sign up, there might be bonus content too. Get those grotty bleaters to hit the button on Apple Podcasts, or find the confusing link in the podcast blurb to do it on Acast+. Plus. Linda? You hear that, Linda? You have your own edition of the show, Linda? You are listening to... Comedy Club for Kids presents... Porridge Bottoms to you, and welcome to another Radio Nonsense, the official comedy club for kids show suitable for all ages. Yes, everyone, look, I'll admit, I've now had so many nasty bits of parchment or things carved into slate or weird bards coming around to sing a message from angry 100-year-olds about how they aren't allowed to listen to the show and how discriminatory and unfair that is. And one even said that they'd all had a chat and decided that unless I let them listen to this show, when I'm 100, they won't let me have any of the special 100-year-old sandwiches that you get given from the Royal Warden of Pickle. And that was when I had to give in, as I don't want to have a terrible hundredth year of my life, and I really want those sandwiches, even though they've probably really gone off and very disgusting. So, look, this Radio Nonsense podcast is now suitable for everyone of all ages, even 100-year-olds, but just definitely no yaks, because they're too silly. They're too silly. Look at them. Ridiculous. I'm still Tin and Duyeb, even though I've tried my best not to be, and this is the last in this season of Radio Nonsense Podcasts, before we have a little break for me to go and do lots of important things, such as uh, complain that there's nothing good to watch on the television while I stare at the microwave, and shout, I can see you stop trying to hide at the tree outside our window. If you're listening to this when it comes out, then you've probably been stuck at home now for over six weeks, which is a lot, and I hope you're doing okay. Um, If you're listening to this in the future, then beware of the robots! Um, But either way, uh, you're probably all out of ways to annoy those stretchy, wrinkled scarecrows that wander aimlessly around your home. Sorry, grown-ups. I mean grown-ups. If you're out of ideas about how to bother them, try simply this. Look at them right in the eye and say, Wow, how long has this lockdown gone on for? Because... You're looking really old. And then pat them on the head, say, there, there, it'll be okay, and walk off. It will haunt them for weeks. You're welcome. Even though uh, we're having a break on this podcast for a few weeks, um, please do send in any questions you might have, and I'll save them for our next season, which will start in the not-too-distant future. Beware of the robots! Um, Details on how to do that at the very end of the show, but now for the important bit... Pickle every day. I am joined by the wonderful Helen Duff. Helen, how are you? Hello, I'm very well, thank you. I'm actually smashing. I think it's mainly because I've been making a lot of flapjacks, or as I like to call them, jacks flaps. And I imagine that I've pulled them, these flapjacks. We all know what a flapjack is, right? Like a square, oaty biscuit cake. Uh, I've pulled the flap jacks out of Jack's flaps and Jack is the kind of person who 
You know when you cut people out of paper and they have tiny tabs on the edges of them so that you can attach jumpers and trousers and pants to them? Yes, yes. Yeah. I imagine that I've lifted those up and out of the edges, the gaps, the flaps, if you will, I've pulled flapjacks. Well, does that make them taste better or does it make them taste weird? It makes them taste tasty. It's both uh, sweet, slightly salty, a little bit of a snap and an extra bit of jack. <laughs> wow. Well, that's amazing. So uh, Jack's flaps and uh, poor Jack. Does Jack feel all right about this? Because I'd sort of imagine if you go about your day, you know, already life's hard because you've got all these tabs on you. So you can't just put on the clothes you want. You have to have help have. doing it. Yeah, you have to have extra. And then suddenly someone's pulling cakes out of your... Um, your, your person? Well, I think what's important to remember is that when somebody has flaps, they are generally on either side of the torso, at the tops of their shoulders, potentially uh, beside their ears and never out of the bum. Ah, good, good. I'm pleased to hear it because that would be, you wouldn't want, uh, you wouldn't want a Jack's flaps out of Jack's bum. You wouldn't even, you wouldn't want a flapjack or you wouldn't want a flapjack out of Jack flaps, flap, bum flap. Jack flaps. No. But, no bum okay, flaps. Okay. No bum flap cakes. Please. No flap jack bum flaps. No, 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 no. Thank wow. Well, you've been very busy with your with your oat cake. I, I keep calling them cakes. They're not, are they? Flapjacks or jack flaps are definitely not cakes. They are They're oats. a tray bake. Creations. They're a tray bake is what they are. They're baked in a tray. tray. Bake. Even if you bake them in a, a circular tin, technically it's still a tray, apparently. Do you call your tray bakes bake trays? No, I, I call okay. them neither because I think it's an American phrase, a tray bake. I would rather stick to a tea time treat. Oh, I like that. That's <laughs> nice. And there's lovely alliteration there going on as well, tea time treat. It just feels nice to say. Very true. Yeah, that is good. Well, well I was going to, yeah, I, I'm glad to hear that you're doing well. I, I was sort of, you've been stuck at home, obviously, like everyone else. Um, have, you, have you been sort of finding good ways to keep yourself entertained i mean you've already told us one way but i wonder if you've got any really good tips for the listeners of of things they can do if they're getting a bit bored i was uh i was always very bad as a child at keeping up instruments i tried all sorts of different instruments piano violin i did the drums for a bit when i was 15 and my mum was always super understanding whenever i said i don't like it anymore because I couldn't be bothered to practice. She just let me give up immediately. And now I've been rediscovering the joy of making music because I've just been going about the house, finding different objects to turn into instruments. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, so can you tell us which, which objects uh, have you found are particularly good at, as instruments? I've turned, in, I've turned the house into a huge orchestral uh, bonanza. So, for example, obviously, you've got your mugs for little bits of tapping with a fork or a little spoon. You've got your plants for rustling and sometimes they sing. You can give you can give you can also endow certain objects that don't have a sound that you like when you hit them. You can endow them with voices. So uh, the toilet. For example, uh, it, yes, it makes a sound when you flush it, but it also uh, speaks with a, a sort of wet, squelchy, I'm very tired type voice. Yeah, I bet it would be. Toilets must be very tired. They never really get a rest. So. Never. They're constantly on. Even if they're not on up top in terms of taking deliveries, there, there's stuff happening stuff happen in, in, the, in the back room. In the, in, yeah. the, in the sewage quarters. 
It's a hard life. So I, I think you got that toilet voice. That that sounds exactly to me like how a toilet would oh, I'm so tired. Yeah, that feels spot on. That feels spot on. So apart, apart from a toilet, have you got any... I wondered if you've got like a favourite a favorite one that you've discovered? A favourite one that I've discovered. I've got a, um, a vase which had some tulips in it. And it was interesting because obviously it joined in with any kind of orchestral um, concert I was putting on during the week. But progressively, the tulips that it was holding died, withered and died. So to start off with, it was um, it would sing with a sort of, I am so excited by the joyful jubilation blooming inside of me. And then around the middle of the week, it started to get a bit raspy because they needed more water. Please, please give, please give me some, 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 something fresh. So I did. I changed the water. It went back to be jubilantly joyful. Now I'm full of fresh and blooming water flowers. And then once the tulips had really dried up because the sun was quite strong, it just became very quiet and mournful. I wish I was a flapjack. You'd love me so much more. I wish I was a flapjack. I'd rather be a flapjack than a small coffin. So it, it got very sad, got a bit sad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that did get very sad. Yeah, I mean, even sad. I have to say, even in the way like earlier in the week, its lyrics were really beautiful and poetic. And towards the end, it, it struggled with rhymes there. And it struggled it with of... rhymes. I think it also doubted itself. It didn't know whether it was allowed to mention coffin on a, a kids podcast. So we could always change that later if it if it needs to be changed. Coffins are fine. That's what vampires live in. So oh, uh, we all we all know what they are. And also, you know, um, if you've got a cough, then you do some coffin. That's so, true. It is absolutely fine as a a word for this podcast. And I, I normally on this show, um, on all previous episodes, I've asked guests for a favourite noise, but I think you've already given us so many that's that we true. don't need that unless you've unless you've got another one that you'd like to give us. Well, I didn't mention mulch. I love mulch. mulch. I love mm. the word mulch, but also I love what mulch is. So, for example, porridge. The sticky mulch that you get when a porridge is really mulched itself up over a long, long cook. And Do you know what I mean? It's sort of like a squelch, but also with a kind of um, clogginess. So probably along the lines of like. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I got that's it quite right. It's more noise. like. No, that's a kiss. It's tricky. It's, it's very tricky to do a mulch. Because it, yeah, it's mulch, not squelch, isn't it? So yeah. it's, it's hard to do a mulch, not a squelch. Maybe that's why I like it, because the human mouth can't mulch. Only yeah, other things brilliant. can. That's very that's very good. I like I like the mulch. Well, I was gonna I was gonna say that because you've given us quite a few noises, mm. uh, and we and we then discussed whether you can say coffin on a, a Jordan's podcast. Mm. Uh, I was gonna just double check because this show is suitable for all ages, and in fact, this episode. Unlike previous episodes, is even suitable for one hundred year olds because they've been complaining. Um, but I just wondered if there, you know, there is a rude word that you promised you won't say yes. for this episode, uh, so that it is suitable for all ears of all sizes. 
I absolutely 100 uh, percent swore to myself and also to my grandmother, who is 86. And I was just speaking to you before I started chatting to you, Tin. And I promised myself, I promised Grandma Duff that I would not say the word. Tutti frutti. Oh, oh, no, don't say that. That's, can you sorry, say that again? Tutti frutti. Oh, no. Oh, that's, it's oh, that's really that- offensive. So awful. I can't believe it. It's it's both tropical, slightly Italian, with an edge of tutti frutti. Oh, no. Oh, goodness. No. Well, I, I mean, if you put that on this podcast, I don't think anyone would be allowed to listen to it. That's true. I, I, I imagine most of the listeners would never have even heard that word, let alone said it themselves. And I, but I think even on just hearing it, were that word to get to their ears, were tutti frutti to hit their <laughs> ears, I think they'd be arrested by police instantly. How does it make you feel happens. in your? How does it make you feel in your skin when you say tutti frutti? Like my skin fell off. It was like, really? it was like as I said it, my skin just felt like threw itself out the window. Oh wow! And landed on a bird. Like that's how it felt because it was so appalled by. And when it landed on the bird, did the bird then take on human form, or did it just carry around a human skin sack for the rest of its days? Yeah, it sort of looked like a very baggy human mm. being sick because it had also heard the word through the window. So right. it's just like it looked like a sort of a boneless flying human was being sick. Everywhere. I mean, a lot of people are being quite distressed now. Chicken, like just... chicken fillet, a chicken fillet flying through the sky, vomiting, and and the word tutti frutti oh, echoing yeah. as it goes. Yes. Well, look, thank you for not saying it on this show. And please, Absolute pleasure. please, could no one say it? I won't say it. I won't no. say tutti frutti and you don't say it. And then... I will be I will be happy never to say tutti frutti again. Excellent. That's very good. Good. I'm very pleased. <laughs> right. Well, the, the most important thing, obviously, apart from from the words uh, you won't be saying and your favourite noises, um, is that we've had two questions sent in for this week. Um, both are very important. And, and I think that you're the exact person that knows the answers to these, which is why I brought these questions to you. I know you're a specialist in both of these subjects. Um so the first one, the worst, the first one is from Betty in Devices, which I believe is the place. I don't think she lives in like a little device. Um, mm. I don't know. She might live in a small, like, uh, you know, pocket watch or something. But I don't yes. think so. Or just devises a lot of uh, experimental theatre. Oh, possibly, yes. Or evil plans. You can devise an evil plan, can't you? Absolutely. You can also devise uh, architectural drawings for buildings. Mm. Oh, well, possibly she's an uh, evil uh, architect uh, theatre creator. And is doing all got, three I think we've we got too know. many of those. There's far too many of those already, Tian, and we can't do. We can't be doing with another evil experimental theatre architectural building divisor. Well, Betty, if you are one of those, I'm sorry to let you down. There's already too many, so you, you have to find a new career. Um, in London, but I mean, to, to be fair, she's uh, she's seven. It says seven years in brackets. So again, I don't know if that's she's done the job for seven years. Or, or, or she's been in devices for seven years. We don't. I don't know quite what she means by it. But her question, I'm very pleased to say, isn't about being evil or theatre or architecture or devices. Mm-hmm. Um, it is simply, and I mean, I'm gonna, Helen. I just want to warn you because just even reading this question out loud makes me a bit frightened mm. at the possibility. Um, I just want to warn you. But Betty has asked, "What if there was no such thing as chocolate?"
sorry, I just wanted to give you an example there of what would happen if there was no such thing as chocolate. It, it, you heard the silence? I mean, yeah, I felt it. I felt the silence. Yeah. You yeah. felt the heavy, heavy weight of the silence. Well, Betty, I'm glad you've had a, a direct experience of what life would be like if there was no such thing as chocolate. We would have no words. Language itself was born from the experience of licking a lovely bit of chocolate on the tongue and having to say, because there was no other way to get the excitement out, what a tasty treat. And that's where that's how words began. That's how words began. The dinosaurs, when they had a little munch on a chocolate tree, having only ever eaten cabbages before that point, uh, that's when they started chit-chatting. And from there, it was a direct line to Coronation Street. Wow. And what sort of chocolates did dinosaurs have? Uh, I'm guessing they'd have gone for something like a lion bar, maybe, or, or something more knobbly maybe, like that. Maybe a lion bar, a rocky road, um, a yabba-dabba delicious. Um, I think they were also big fans of the uh, Tyrannosaurus Toblerone. Oh, wow. How did they unwrap those, the Tyrannosaurus? They've only got little hands. That must have been quite tricky for them. Yes, obviously you can use a nail to pierce um, any plastic wrapping that they may have been encumbered by, despite it being prehistoric ages and uh, the sort of things that we now are um, drowning in, aka plastic wrapping, were not such an issue. I actually don't think it's a. I don't think that as a question is um, a valid question. To I don't think they had to worry about unwrapping the chocolate because it was growing off the trees at that point. It hadn't oh. been. Yeah. I'm so sorry. In my head, I assumed a, a Tyrannosaurus Toblerone would be in a giant Toblerone package, a bit like the ones in, in you get in airports. You know, that are just huge. Yeah, that's what no. I assumed it would be like. I'm so sorry to shut you down imaginatively in that in that place uh, that you've gone to. In fact, Tyrannosaurus Toblerones were so called because they were sort of like um, pyramids, the the shape and size of an Egyptian pyramid, but just. Uh, at the back of a, a Tyrannosaurus's garden. Wow. So they just have wow, a nibble. I could, I could definitely eat one of those. Oh, yeah, you could. You could eat one of those for at least 65 years of your life and still not get to the bottom of it. That sounds like my ideal life. <laughs> I'd yeah. love to spend 65 years eating a chocolate pyramid. That would be amazing. And the great thing about dinosaur prehistoric chocolate was because it was still technically growing it didn't get that grainy white texture that old chocolate does if you hide your easter egg for too long that's amazing i mean this is incredible and, and so it, you it, have experience I mean, it, of that chocolate it sounds a bit like chocolate's not as good now it's no it's in no way as good if you imagine a chocolate that would lead to an entire language let alone language itself, all languages being born. That's what we're dealing with then versus now, a Freddo. Yeah. I mean, what, is, what has Freddo done for anyone? Like, what is a Freddo? Has, you know, has anyone ever eaten a Freddo and come up with a brand new word? Probably a few, like, Fuddabobomba. Yeah. It's probably like just not very good words like parp or something mm. like that. Chock, chock. Yeah. yeah. Freddo. Ugh. Well, Ugh. And, so 
if there was no, you know, because language has now been developed thanks mm. to the dinosaur chocolate, if chocolate mm. went away, would that would would everything be reversed then? I think so, because the continued consumption of chocolate is what allows us to continue tapping into the life source and force that is language. So it's like every time we have a minstrel or a Malteser or a chocolate finger, maybe even a little tiny square of dairy milk, we are sucking at the fountain of language. Wow. We're lapping up. I mean, also, what I feel like you're saying is if children are listening and they're not eating chocolate Mm. right now, they could really improve their vocabulary and everything, probably, by having some chocolate. Absolutely. I mean, obviously, chocolate nowadays is a lower grade quality and force sort of power, you might want to say, to what it was when it was first discovered by the dinosaurs. But it still elicits some expressions of um, joy, emotion, inspiration. People still have a bite of a a Kit Kat chunky and say something along the lines of, oh, I think I've discovered the the theory of relativity. Yeah, yeah. I I, I hear that happen all the time. It happens all the time. Yeah. Once you go out, you know, past a Smith's or or a newsagent, someone's having a bite of Kit Kat chunky and suddenly they're just algebra all over the place and all the you yeah. know, Shakespearean monologues. It's quite impressive. Absolutely. Cures for all sorts of dangerous diseases. Absolutely led back to a, a tiny bite of a flump. That's not even a wow. chocolate, is it? <laughs> it's, it's not a chocolate, but I mean, maybe it was in dinosaur times and we've now got a reduced non-chocolate version. Possibly because there were so many amazing discoveries made as a result of eating chocolate flumps, they had to strip them of their chocolate because they just thought we can't carry on at this rate. We'll have finished humanity if we keep we keep cracking the code all the time like this. Well, maybe that was it. Maybe they have to hold something back, otherwise mm. it'd just be it would be too much. You know that makes sense. That does make sense. So so for, for Betty, there her question is: What if there was no such thing as chocolate? I mean, really, there'd be there would be nothing, and and we should be very grateful that chocolate exists. Absolutely. There'd be no questions like, what if there was no such thing as chocolate? We wouldn't even be able to conceive of that question without the words to formulate it. Wow. Well, thank you, chocolate. Thank you, chocolate. Thank you, chocolate. Very grateful. Yeah, very grateful. Mm. Um, Wow. Well, I don't know if Betty was expecting quite such an amazing answer. I don't know if she knew that the scale uh, and the impact that chocolate has had on our lives. Uh, But there you go, Betty. Um, And we've had another question. and I, I don't know. I don't know how big this one's going to get. But this is from uh, Sicily. Uh, Sicily in um, in device again. She's also in devices. I don't know if that's she's in, te- in devices for ten years. So I don't know if that means she's been living in a in a pocket watch for longer, or she's been coming up with evil architecture theatre for for longer than Betty. Um, Are they both in pocket watch? Sorry. Are they both in the same pocket watch? Coiled up together. I don't know. I don't know. If they must be quite small, otherwise that would get quite uncomfortable. That's true. I hope you're well, Betty and Stephanie. Yeah. yeah, me too, me too. I hope you're all right. Do let us know. Uh, well, I mean, I think they are because they've asked you, you know, Betty asked you that amazing question. And wait till you hear uh, Cecily's amazing question, which is, why do birds poo when they're flying? 
fascinating question. Thank you for this one, Cecily. I don't have to answer silence because it's got nothing to do with the birth of language. Uh, birds poo when they're flying. Oh, very simple. They get too weighed down otherwise and they can't reach the treetops. If you see a bird that is flying very low, it's because it's utterly constipated. Wow. Yeah. So just full, full more, of poo. So like when you see like a pigeon walking around, it's because it's full of poo. Full of poo. Birds that can't get off the ground are generally uh, struggling with serious uh, blocking up issues. They're, 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 they're blocked right up. So, so um, I mean, this is fascinating. So, so emus and ostriches, which can't fly, full mm-hmm. of poo? Full of poo. Full of poo. Full of poo. Uh, <laughs> they, are, they are similar to penguins. People think penguins are cute, often, often praised. David Attenborough did a whole programme, but at no point did he mention, because actually Attenborough is quite squeamish about poo, that they are in in a in a lot of pain because they haven't they haven't pooed in about I don't know an entire lifetime. Well, so so I mean because because I was going to say oh but penguins swim but I guess poos float don't they so that makes sense. That's true, but it wouldn't be an issue anyway because they're not coming out of the penguins, are they? They don't get into the water to get have a good, that would be disgusting. That would be absolutely disgusting. It would be sc- but I, I was worried that why the penguins aren't so weighed down that they sink. They can swim, but I guess maybe the poos sort of keep them floated above the... Oh, yeah, you're right. Though they don't help to elevate the penguins above above the earth into the air, they are buoyant in the water. Right. That makes sense. That makes sense. Wow. And so... and But they... I guess, like... They poo while they're flying, don't they? They don't sort of like while they're on the floor, they don't poo and then suddenly lift off. They do it mid No, it's like a progressive. Going. Yeah, it's like a progressive. Um, have you ever seen a space rocket going up into outer space? Like yes, the, I have, yes. Like the launching of Apollo 13, for example. As it goes, yes. it drops um, little bits of the required the apparatus that was required to um propel it up to the sky so uh it start off with all this paraphernalia around the base to push it off to propel it up the first kind of lift off bit and then as it goes it just dropped bits bits of the rocket that aren't required the higher up it gets that's the same with birds except instead of kind of nasa built um engines and propellers and all sorts of apparatus it's poo. Wow. Wow. I mean, that's it must be quite... I, I, I mean, it's, it's, now that you sort of mention this, I don't think I've ever seen a bird taking off, and that must be quite mm-hmm. an incredible sight. If it's like a rocket taking off, but with poo, that's going to be quite impressive. It's amazing that they managed to hide it so well. It's not necessarily like a... It's not like a pellet situation. It's not like they're firing out poo um, at a rate of knots. It's it's sort of slow motion in a way, which makes it all the more remarkable that we don't see it. I think there's a special thing that happens where it becomes maybe transparent as it as it exits the bird, and we only spot it um, when it occasionally lands on us. And that's why people say it's lucky if a bird poos on your shoulder, because that poo has helped the bird to get up into the air. Then that's a, a lucky lucky thing to do. Flying high, birds in the sky. I also wonder if there's there's something about you know if, if they if they poo on the ground maybe it's sort of transparent because 
it hasn't it hasn't hit you know through all the different levels of the sky that maybe who in the sky has so maybe it gives it character and and color right so all the time we're working walking through sky that's just thick with bird poo and we don't know about it because it's turned transparent that's it that's it is Is that a sunset is that what sunsets are Oh wow, maybe sunsets are uh, just when the bird poo reaches its sort of peak, and then um, and then oh, it's nighttime just when the sky is full. Right, it kind of burns like the rocket. Mm. Sets a light. Morning when all the poo's burnt and it's daytime again. What a joy! A whole day, a whole new fresh day to start filling with transparent bird poo. Yes, that's fascinating. But I, I suppose the only confusing thing there would be that in the summer there's more birds, but it's lighter for longer. But in the winter there's less birds, but it's darker mm. for longer. Well, I don't see that as a confusing. I don't see that as confusing at all. It makes complete sense to me. The more birds there are, the more bird poo there is to light up the day at the end of it. So if we're right. saying that it's almost like you know when uh what am i imagining here you might have to help me this tin and in like a um a kitchen a restaurant kitchen when uh flies go into one of those big lights they have those big lights that are designed for catching flies and flies fly into them and then the light kind of buzzes and crackles because the flies are kind of are hitting the heat element and it go and it and it like flashes you see yes, what I, mean? I, I know what you mean i i can't i don't entirely know what they're called i I think they're called like um flycatcher lights i think they're called something very boring so they light up they kind of burn almost when the fly buzzes into them uh just to signal we've got another fly great it's i think it's similar with the sky so the more poo that kind of hits the sun and creates a dazzling sunset the more light that's created so the more birds that are flying the more poo that's being pooed the thicker the air becomes with poo the more poo that hits the sun the more light that's generated from the fire that's created by the poo burning in the evening light the longer the day extends because uh, obviously of the fallout of just that burning process Wow. I mean, again, I didn't, I mean, I knew birds were important. Don't get me wrong. I knew they're important because I think all wildlife is important, but I didn't know birds were that important that they are pivotal to how our days are. I think often what happens is people like Cecily and Betty ask piercing questions that nobody else is prepared to ponder. And that's when we really come up against the big truths that are keeping us all alive. And sometimes I think adults especially don't want to look at those, don't want to look at the at the big truths because it's 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 quite scary to realise that we depend on bird poo for light and we depend on yeah. chocolate for language. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, you know, of course it is. I mean, I, I, I find it quite scary thinking about it and, and it's easier for me to just pretend maybe that doesn't happen because, uh, you know, it's just easier, isn't it? It's easier to cope with that. But just, actually, just out of interest, before we move on, bats fly, do bats... Yeah in the sky as well or a bat's got a different system i, I don't want to i don't want to go off on a tangent here but just a quick one no, no. interesting caveat birds uh sorry bats don't poo at all their tiny tiny bodies are far far too skeletal to carry any excrement wow well, yeah that's what they go about at night time 
Uh, yes. I think farts only become an issue for them when they have a heavy night on chickpeas. Fair enough. Well, that's uh, I can fully understand that. Fully understand. Wow. I mean, Helen, that has been a fascinating answer. Thank you so much. Um, and I can't quite believe the depths we went to there. I feel like um, Betty and, and Cecily should be very happy with those answers. Uh, I mean, unless they're coming up with evil devises, uh, then I worry that we've given them too much information. And That's they might true. Use that against us. We've really unlocked the universe for their uh, mad genius to um, to act upon. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a bit scared. We might this might well be the last podcast that ever happens. Uh, this could be Despicable Me three, couldn't it? Or four yeah. or five. I'm not sure which Despicable Me we've got to. I think there's sort of twelve, something like. That. There's a lot of Despicable people. Yeah, possibly. Um, right. Well, well, thank you so much, and I'm so glad I came to you with those questions. I knew you'd know the answers. Um, and have, have you got a nice a nice rest of the the day planned with your your Jack flaps? Yes, I'm doing a Eurovision, an alternative Eurovision song contest contest this evening, uh, which I'm really looking forward to with a song that I performed on Comedy Club for Kids about how high your trousers go. So after that oh. event, I'll be releasing the video. So I'm really looking forward to putting that out. That is very exciting indeed. Look forward to watching it. Ooh. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much for your time, Helen. That was brilliant. Pleasure. Pickle every day. Thanks so much to Helen for that, and what an episode to end this series of Radio Nonsense on. We now know, thanks to Betty and Cicely's brilliant questions and Helen's incredible answers, just how language began and how the daytime works, and it's all to do with chocolate and bird poo. Who knew? Well, Helen did, so I'm glad I asked her. I hope, Betty and Cicely, that you're happy with that and will continue to devise evil theatre architect plans. Right, that's it for now, but this podcast will be back very, very soon. So please do keep sending us questions about absolutely anything that you'd like to hear answered on the next season. And you can do that by asking one of those stretchy, wrinkled scarecrows, sorry, grown-ups, to help you email us at podcast at comedyclub4kids.co.uk. And that's the number four. You can also send in any jokes you'd like me to read or anything else you fancy telling me and the team at Comedy Club for Kids all about. Do check our website, comedyclub4kids.co.uk, for all info on online shows and real ones whenever they start again and make sure you're grown up subscribe to this podcast so you'll know when we start up again also if they fancy buying me and the cc4k team a coffee for teaching you such wisdom as dinosaur pyramid chocolate or birds being weighed down by poo then they can do that at ko-fi.com forward slash comedy club for kids radio nonsense will return soon don't forget to keep two meters away from people unless they're your brother or sister in which case that's not far enough and they'll just have to go really really far away to make sure possibly another country or space bye you have been listening to comedy club for kids presents Radio nonsense, radio nonsense, radio nonsense, radio nonsense, it's the end.